In this episode today, we discuss the great content opportunities created by simply answering the questions of your tribe, how to use it as a business strategy, and how to go about feeding the beast that's your content platform. You're listening to Digital Bacon FM. Mr. Stephen Barnes. Good morning, sir. Small little rhythm machine uh, beat to get you in there. How have you been, sir? I'm all right. Thank you. Good. Yeah, I thought that was actually um, the beginning of a Peter Gabriel song. I wasn't quite (laughs) sure where you're going with it. No, it was added on to the end of a Dead or Alive song, Brand New Love. Of course, before that here on Digital Bacon FM, it was Queen with our One to Break Free. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to do the songs that I just played. I have a question I'm for you. man. You are the man indeed. I posed a question to listeners earlier today uh, after a chat with Joanne last night. I don't know if you... Hi, s- Joe. Hello, Joe. I don't know if you've seen the news, but after a recent documentary on Michael Jackson, several places, Canada included, have decided to remove his songs from their playlists. As a marketing man, as a man who knows many things about the way the world works, is it something that should be done now? I think uh, everybody has to make their own decision. I know what I would do. I don't think you can be prescriptive when it comes to music, right? And I know there's a debate going on about separating, um, you know, the uh, the ethics of the artist from the art itself. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. I know I know which way I would vote, but uh, I think everybody has to make their own decision. Have you seen Leaving Everyone? Uh, no, I haven't. I've heard it's good. I haven't found it on. Is it on on Netflix? It, it's on YouTube. Ah, okay. Well, then I'll I'll have a gander. I heard that it's brilliant. Um, and, and the reason that we ended up chatting about it was I was watching CNN, as I usually do, and they were interviewing a expert on body language. And this body, lang- uh, this body language expert um, had reviewed both the R. Kelly tape, you know, that recent uh, interview that he did okay. with Dale Kelly, and also uh, leaving Neverland. And she uh, then they broke down the clip um, and they were doing this sort of side-by-side comparison with her talking about his body language, R. Kelly in particular, shaking his head no, but saying yes, nodding his head yes, but actually meaning no. And she was going through the body language of, of R. Kelly saying, there is no ways in the world that his body language isn't screaming, yes, I did it, yes, I did it, yes, I did it. And she said, in comparison, watching the the um, the people on Leaving Neverland, she said when she watched their body language, she was struck by how truthful it was. Really interesting. Mm. Well, yeah, and, you know, um, the, produce, the producer of that video, his take on it is, well, you know, no one doubts the fact that Michael Jackson used to share his bed with young boys. Um, so when it comes to actually deciding whether or not um, you know, this abuse took place. In fact, there are only two parties who have the ability to say whether this abuse took place or not. Mm. That's those are the kids and Michael Jackson. Mm. So what that ultimately boils down to is the um, 
impression that either the two men um, or Michael Jackson make on the listener when they are telling their side of the story. Now, mm. the argument is that Michael Jackson's dead and so he can't speak for himself. But, you know, the producer, uh, in fairness, said, well, no, if you look at, um, uh, you know, the uh, material that represents Michael Jackson's side of the story, uh, to the best of their ability to be able to go into his repertoire of words that he has previously said to deny um, all uh, accusations of child abuse, uh, all of that is in there, uh, juxtaposed against the testimony of the two victims mm. or survivors in actual fact. So what you're ultimately left with is because it all took place behind closed doors, you have to listen to the two parties and take a view for yourself. Sure. That's what's so compelling about the way that that story was told, mm. in my view. Um, and when you think about you know, the, 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 this Australian child of seven years of age, um, it's a, an amazing um, experience for this man to go through and you know what it's done to him psychologically in fact what it's done to both of them psychologically sure. so that was my um, that was my um, watching this weekend in actual fact and uh, quite riveting stuff okay um, so I'm not going to ask you what I should do because I know you're going to say well that's for you to decide um, the, que the question that I was posing earlier was was that should we remove it from the library but how far do you go back do you then say, okay, well, I'm taking all of the Jackson 5 stuff off too? Uh, you have to make your own mind up, Brian. Sure. Um, I, can, I can choose what I want to listen to, um, and you have the opportunity to decide what you want to broadcast. Absolutely. Right. Moving away from that, sir, answer questions and help solve problems, because you just bloody well didn't. <laughs> uh. That's the benefit of a formal education, right? <laughs> a formidable education it is too. Uh, right, indeed. Okay, so you know, just to sort of recap really where we are, we're talking about how to build a monopoly from nothing with no money invested um, and that uh, it's all predicated on uh, the adoption of um, a business model called intelligent content marketing. Mm. And uh, we have a set of materials that you and I have been talking about for many, many weeks now called Monopoly the Planner. Um, and it's 10 modules, uh, 36 chapters. And we just finished off last time we spoke, module six, chapter 21, where we were just talking about the utilization of um, different websites for different purposes as part of your overall sort of, you know, web proposition um, and then recognizing that if you've got a website that's designed to sell stuff which is what we really discussed in some detail last time out mm. you've then got uh, a website where you're ultimately going to share your the benefits of your knowledge and know-how in a way that allows you to um, answer questions for people and help them solve their problems um, basically around uh, a good story good story in terms of what your business is all about and why you do what you do and of course yourself as a business owner and you know what you're all about and where you're coming from and giving people an opportunity to get to the person behind the business and that then helps to forge trust and relationships mm. knowing all throughout that you know what you're ultimately going to be selling on your other website is you know the outcomes from the jobs that need to need, need, need to get done so um when you're developing your sort of you know non-commercial website as i say it's about really positioning yourself to assist people um when 
people go searching the web for stuff, they're invariably looking for some kind of assistance with a problem or an answer to a question. So your entire web proposition, uh, this, this particular web proposition, uh, should be uh, aimed at doing just that. And we have uh, the Hong Kong Visa Handbook that does that. That's the complete do-it-yourself guide to the Hong Kong Visa process. Um, augmented stroke complemented these days by my daily update content site, which is my blog hmm. called Hong Kong Visa Giza. Um, so those two websites are essentially no-sell zones. And um, as I say, we sell our stuff on the Hong Kong Visa Center website. So um, one of the greatest awarenesses that I had when I embarked down this, um, what's now known as intelligent content marketing sort of path, to a business model is this um, need to, in addition to having the foundation content there for everybody to, to use, but the need to firstly keep that material sort of live and up to date because my subject matter is, is slightly dynamic. It's never always staying the same. There's always new stuff going on that, you know, is of use to people to know. So, needing to keep uh, the material up to date, but also giving me an opportunity to actually uh, uh, reach out to the parties that are interested in the material that I have, that is my prospect tribe, um, and then essentially answering any queries that they have in relation to that. And therefore, this awareness that I could answer people's questions just was a eureka moment because it, it sort of worked on so many levels, I came to understand. Um, by answering questions for people, what you're doing is you're continuing to develop your body of knowledge on your subject matter. Um, and I always say that uh, the process of answering people's questions around your niche, uh, layering that on top of your foundation content, um, essentially is the kind of... Um, fills the gaps in the, the taxonomy jar, if you will. You know, when you take a, uh, a, a jar and then you say, uh, you know, I'm going to fill it with stuff so you can't put any more stuff in. So firstly, you put a whole load of sort of balls in there and, and then you say, I can't get any more in there. So then you put a whole load of marbles and then that'll sort of fit down between the cracks. And then you say, well, no, you definitely can't get anything more in there. And then you come in with sand and then you fill up between you know the marbles and the balls uh, the rest of the space with sand well answering people's questions and publishing uh, them uh, laying them on top of your foundation content is how you kind of go about filling the uh, uh, the, the sort of the gaps in the taxonomy jar um, so answering questions uh, is a massively important way of uh, developing you know, the body of knowledge that you've got um, secondly, answering questions is essentially the harbinger of relationships. Um, what I've come to understand is that probably 20, 30% of the time that I answer, that I receive a question, yes, I can absolutely answer that question and, uh, and get it published. But more often than not, you know, in these, you know, 20, 30% of the cases, uh, it's much better for me to actually um, not reduce the answer to a podcast, but get to speak to the uh, questioner on the phone offline um, and then just give them the opportunity to sort of, you know, 
give me much more information so I can give them highly accurate uh, advice. Uh, and I can do that quickly because I've been doing this stuff as long as I have. And these days, you know, if in 20 to 30 percent of the occasions where I'm um, actually speaking to people, they're asking me questions and, and answering them offline. Uh, you know, they will, for the most part, go on to the, uh, a meaningful relationship with the practice. Either they become paying clients or they just go away with the story to tell others that there's this uh, outfit that, you know, has been um, very generous in helping them understand what the problems to their immigration quandaries are and uh, they haven't charged them anything for it. And, mm. you know, we took the lead in trying to bring about, um, you know, a, an answer to that question and a solution to the problem that, you know, led to the conversation in the first place. So it's very much um, a harbinger of relationships, this whole dynamic of positioning yourself to answer people's questions via your websites. Mm. Um, aligned with that, of course, is uh, the sort of the law of reciprocity. You know, when the, uh, the expert in Hong Kong immigration has taken his time to, uh, you know, look at your particular problem and has given you the answer that you need and the peace of mind or the material, the, the information that you need to make an informed decision. Um, unless you're a sociopath, the party that you've done that for invariably goes away with this human sense of, well, gosh, she's done something for me. I, I owe him something, right? And that's the law of reciprocity. Mm. So unspoken there is this opportunity for the goodwill that's been imparted through, you know, the act of answering the question um, can ultimately come back in a positive way elsewhere via the, you know, the, the natural law of reciprocity. So um, that's another really good outcome that uh, results from uh, positioning yourself to answer questions via your website. Mm. And then most importantly, um, if you're, Having an intelligent content marketing strategy it underpins your business model. Whether you like it or not, you're a publisher, and that publish that 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 machine, that beast, needs to be fed. Um, and feeding the beast is the name of the game. But for most parties that run websites with frequently updated content, you know the question is, what kind of value or valuable? Um, content can you routinely publish onto your website uh, knowing that you know most people run out of ideas uh, before too long and if you're going to be in the game of continuously publishing in order to map the knowledge graph and you know take advantage of uh, embedding yourself down into the web like we discussed previously uh, you need to have a source of content that's 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 value value laid and valuable and um, uh, and is on point that helps you develop the taxonomy in the niche so by putting yourself out there to answer people's questions, you are able to, as I say, given that you're now a, a modern connection economy publisher, uh, you can feed the beast. Mm. So, so for, for an, an acronym for frequently updated content. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I see. It took me a while. It did take you. It did take you a while. <laughs> I, th I thought that I'd just, as, as you would say, I thought I'd slip it in. Um, right. So. Oh, I see. <laughs> Lucky me. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you'd know. Um, uh, okay. So you, 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 you have so many different ways of, of, of remaining in touch. And there was something that I wanted uh, to bring up with you because it popped up in my feed. Not, not that I'm on Facebook much, but um, there, there was a, a Facebook post and you, you put a simple sentence with a dot, dot, dot. And yeah. it, it was, things are definitely not the same. 
and that was to a hongkongvisageezer.com blog post, considerably heightened yeah. diligence by the immigration department on all types of visa applications, sowing the seeds of fear. Or no, actually, reporting, people's reporting curiosity. the truth. <laughs> Come no, on. Reporting the truth, sir. Reporting the truth. Do you, do you, you, you would have... You genuinely have no idea how much time in the last five or six weeks, every single day, I've had to spend fending off um, irate clients who are just completely scared to death uh, what's happening with their immigration applications because the immigration department just taking so damn long. Um, it's been the constant bane of my life. And I'm actually quite a tolerant guy when it comes to this. I, I generally don't you know don't go off and sort of publish straight away i wait for sort of things to settle down just to make sure that you know um the 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 the, the reality that i'm reporting by my blog is the reality in fact um mm -hmm. and i waited and waited and waited and waited and waited and it really got to the point where I, I now needed to sort of you know let everybody know uh what the story is um now that that helps me because first i can let everybody know what the story is but more importantly um, I get a blog post. So when a client, you know, contacts me for the eighth time in five days, if there's any news on his on his case, um, I can now send them a link to the post that you mentioned where it sets out the kind of what's going on. Because when you publish something like that and you put it out in the public domain, it takes on, in a sense, a kind of a life of its own that's external to me just advising of the facts you know, via a, a telephone conversation or a, an email or a WhatsApp exchange that, you know, things at the immigration department are as I'm reporting in that post. Mm -hmm. The world of difference between me telling them that and then them reading it, uh, you know, because I've, I've committed to it publicly. Mm -hmm. um, and the, pheno the phenomenon there really is all about, you know, the fact that in a large, to, to a large degree, when you publish in the way that we publish, you create your own reality. Because if you're operating in a niche such as ours, where objectively it's difficult to either confirm or deny ultimately, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, what I'm suggesting uh -huh. by my blog, in, in a sort of a focused group sense, in, plenty of individuals will go, yeah, I can relate to that. It's absolutely bang on on that, right? Mm -hmm. um, but the reality is, you know, if you, if you don't have the bias, if you have the bias of non-comparison, in your favor, ultimately, you can create your own reality. And with that comes, you know, a huge amount of responsibility. Um, because as we've seen with this whole fake news stuff and what have you, the, you know, the phenomenon of, um, of, of asserting that the truth be X, mm. uh, whether you're Donald Trump or whether you're Stephen Barnes at the Hong Kong Visa Center or you're CNN or you're whoever, the reality is, you know, you have to take out first blush as best you can what you're being told. Um, and if you accept it, then that's the truth and that's the reality. Well, and th because the web now gives you so many alternate sources of information, uh, how do you actually know which stuff to believe? Um, and what's interesting about this, Jason, is I've, I've been thinking about this a lot in the last week or two. Um, I, I, I don't know if you follow this, and there's no reason why you should, but I stumbled across um, a, a case in the U.S. Uh, it was a murder case, um, a guy called Chris Watts. Have you heard of uh, this at all? He, married or his, he murdered his wife and kids. His two children, yeah. Have you yes. heard, this, you heard yeah. the story? Yeah, absolutely. Right, yeah. 
So, so I've been I've been fascinated by this, like you know, millions of others have been, and I've been looking at all the evidence. Um, and you know, what's interesting for me is that you take the evidence that's available to you, and you can kind of conclude for yourself one way or the other the way that things have unfolded. But um, you know, after you've sort of arrived at that conclusion, it might be, as I have done, you come come across some new evidence that's been documented, um, and there's some new other uh, some other new insights, and more more recently, a jailhouse confession, and uh, and then listening to experts who are um, sort of analysing his behaviour from the perspective of him being a, a, a covert narcissist and then another uh, well-qualified commentator suggesting that he's not only uh, a narcissist but he's also a sociopath. Anyway, so the upshot to all of this is that that you get all of these inputs and you're able to sort of, you know, adjust your thinking about what you think might have actually gone on. Mm. Um, and then later on, Chris Watts is telling you stuff that in a sense flies in the face of, some of the earlier conclusions that you've arrived at. Um, but then again, you're left with this challenge of deciding whether he's lying or telling the truth. So, you know, the ability to actually glean what is truthful these days is, is nigh on impossible. And this Chris Watts scenario has really proven that to me. And no same, same, same as the Jesse Smollett case. Which I haven't been following, to be honest, because I don't have that much bandwidth. But uh, tell me about that. Well, he's he's the actor from Empire, the African-American gentleman, doing very well, very respected, a, a social justice warrior standing up for the rights of people, uh, and then uh, allegedly got mugged by two white guys in Chicago near his apartment. They put a noose around his head, were shouting MAGA slogans. And then when they arrested two gentlemen that they believe did it, that was actually all a setup. For uh, what purpose? Well, the commissioner of police said it was because he wanted allegedly, or he was rather unhappy with his pay that he was receiving as a star on Empire, which happened to be a hundred thousand US dollars per show. And <laughs> he he paid these two allegedly. Uh, these two chaps, uh, three thousand five hundred bucks. So he's a bloody cheapskate, whichever way you look at it, uh, to to get the job done. And they, they got caught. So now, you know, they, they they have loads and loads and loads of evidence. But it always boils down to the question: Why? Yeah. Why do it? And that will be something that nobody will ever know until he actually comes out and said, "Maya culpa, it was because." Now, go, go, yeah. go, go, going to what you said earlier about uh, creating your own reality and Facebook and the problem with fake news and not having the other side of, in your particular business, the immigration department being able to come out and refute what you say. Is there ever a danger that because you can't verify it, it would be considered not the truth? If they change well, their algorithms or, or, or really harden up on it? Who, you mean Google? Facebook. Is that what you're suggesting? Facebook. Facebook. Hmm. Well, you mean Facebook will fact check what I'm posting about to decide whether they want to publish it apparently or not? Apparently, yeah, they're going to change loads of things, apparently. Well, well, well good, good, good luck to them on that because in order to assess, to assess 
what I'm blogging about, they naturally need to have inside information as to how the immigration department are operating. And the only way you can do that is by interacting with the service every single day. Mm. Um, so there isn't anybody uh, that Facebook could hire as a generalist to perhaps do a Snopes type of check on the stuff that I'm publishing about. Mm. Um, and then actually, you know, given the majority of my material is video content of me um, presenting uh, what I know about this stuff or you know, tailor-made answers to questions on, you know, on the immigration niche that you'd have to be an expert in the uh, material to know whether what I'm saying is reasonable or not to be allowed to be published on Facebook. I'm not sure that Facebook would have the ability to do the kind of checking that you'd expect. That, so, you know, so it's a non-issue really. I don't think it's an issue, no, no. Mm. But but the point, but the point is, is is an important one, right? And you know, creating your own reality uh, and fake news, and you know how, how you go about you using that, you know, for positive end rather than for negative end. Mm. Absolutely. Well, my next Facebook post is I'm going to be a six foot two blonde head stud. You are. Yeah, absolutely. Who's going to dispute so, it? Anybody over well, six foot two? Well, yeah. So you've got to grow a bit. You've got to get some <laughs> hair, and it's got to be blonde. <laughs> can you can you die can, can you die fa 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 failing grey hair blonde at this stage in your life? <laughs> failing? What are you, f are you talking about? Failing? <laughs> in a manner of speaking, <laughs> it, it's it's just I'm growing my forehead. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a, yeah, you know, what one man's receding hairline is another man's forehead growth. <laughs> so, do, do, yeah, yeah. Can we? Can we? I'm wondering. You know, should I take control of this uh, of this this session and get us back on track, or are you going to? No, no. Go ahead. I mean, we've got five minutes left. We we we've already finished your slide. We've discussed politics, crime, <laughs> and and a gruesome Abuse. murder. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and weaved into all of that narrative was the Hong Kong visa visa and. Uh, content marketing. Fake news. <laughs> Intelligent <laughs> yeah. content marketing, sir. Yeah. Thank you for the correction. Uh, so yeah. what yeah. what will we be doing this Friday? Uh, well, I think we'll pick up from where we left <laughs> off because we've got a nice natural segue into what we're going to do on Friday. We'll talk about the uh, – well, we spent all most of the time today talking about the answering questions mm. dynamic to your uh, non-sell website. So perhaps on Friday when we reconvene, we'll go through the um, solving problems dimension to your foundation content website and sort of have a proper discussion rather than just talk about the stuff we've been watching on YouTube over the last week. Absolutely. Well, it's always interesting talking to you, my friend. We shall catch up again. You have an absolutely fantastic week. Digital Bacon FM. Join us next time for more on how to craft a business proposition that solves problems. Bye.